welcome to Health Kitchen, the podcast that talks all things health, safety, and performance when it comes to restaurants and the food service industry. I'm Aaron, kinesiologist, former dishwasher, server, bartender, and I will be guiding us through this journey as I connect with industry professionals, health experts, and anyone who has a good story in the food service industry. You know, I wasn't expecting to get here. And by here, I mean creating this podcast. Like many people in the food service industry, I got my start pretty young, around the age of 16, as a dishwasher. I had a school trip I wanted to pay for to Greece, so I got my first job ever by working in a restaurant as a dishwasher. And... It was a good time. I really enjoyed it back in Orangeville. It was a place called 199 on Broadway. Doesn't exist anymore. But and as I worked there, as I learned the stress, the space that restaurants occupy, started to lean into it a little bit more. I took up different types of jobs within the space. So eventually I went from dishwashing to busing tables to serving to bartending, and then I went to school, and I continued that trend by working at some restaurants in Guelph, where I happened to be going to school at the University of Guelph, while doing a human kinetics degree. And during all this, I was also a competitive athlete, figure skating, and from there, I became a varsity coach, starting to coach the figure skaters at the University of Guelph. I eventually interned as a strength conditioning intern, And then eventually down the line, I did enough schooling that I was able to attempt and pass the registered kinesiologist exam. And I really noticed during my schooling that there was a big connection to how we train athletes, to how we manage employees, how we manage employee performance, and how we manage employee health. And I learned all those rules, all the rule books that you read on how to create high-performing, healthy, and safe employees. And I started working in the field, and I started going into industries, and I started connecting with all sorts of professionals and helping them have a better workday. I still continue to do that with my job every single day. But something kept pulling me back in my head. I couldn't stop thinking about the restaurant, the special kind of workplace the restaurants are, the special kind of stress that they put you under, and the special people who are able to embody that and become part of that and succeed within that. And... I kept thinking about that consistently over and over and over again as I worked in offices, as I worked in industry, and I couldn't stop wondering why the solutions that I'm able to bring forward to so many industries are just not apparent when it comes to working in food service. And I knew that if I wanted to bring light to this, I needed to start having a conversation. I needed to start connecting with people, and I needed to start asking questions of why when we have an industry that creates magic for so many people every single day that we don't manage the health and performance and safety to the same degree that we take care of our athletes that we take care of all different types of working professionals and hence why this podcast, Health Kitchen, has come into existence. And I hope you join me on this journey as I talk to chefs, servers, restaurant owners, bartenders, all sorts of people within the industry who 
have stories. They have their successes. They have their struggles as they manage their health, as they manage their longevity in their career. And I am so excited to connect with them and bring those stories to you because I think it's time that we start talking about health, safety, and performance in the restaurant industry. So why don't we get into one of those conversations right away? What better way to get into a podcast than to get to the podcast itself? And my first guest is an accomplished chef, Ricardo Garcia. And we talk a lot about our journey through the food service industry, how similar our journeys are, even though we diverge in different directions, and possibly how we could go about creating health, safety, and performance changes for employees. Let's go listen in. see where the conversation goes we both worked in the industry so long yeah i think we both so have long. some uh, good stories and you know it's funny i was on my way here on the greyhound today and i was thinking about like for like when we get into other sections later like the funny story stuff and i was like writing down them all on the phone i'm like 15 deep and i'm like i wonder if this is just gonna turn into therapy for me <laughs> like i'm like you know reflecting back on all like the crazy and, and stuff you, know what? you need that you need that release because most of us don't like don't yeah. most of us don't uh, don't tell those stories or outside of the industry anyways yeah i think that it'll be really interesting as we have these conversations with all sorts of people and uh you know kind of grow from there but uh do you want to give a little rundown of uh maybe your history in the industry how you got to where you are who you are what you do yeah sure so uh my name is ricardo garcia and i've been working in kitchens and uh, service industry for about 10 years just over 10 years now um, like a lot of people, I got my start off uh, in the dish pit uh, back in high school, and it took a while for me to really get into into the kitchen. Um, I started out in franchises, uh, so there wasn't too much of a, I'd say room uh, room for creativity. Um, so it took it took a while for me to really get into into passion for cooking. But that was my first sort of experience with uh, line cooking and dinner rushes and all that sort of stuff. So. It was about four years uh, that I did part-time between high school and university uh, before I got my job at uh, The Ox, if you remember that here in Guelph. And that's where I met Parker Smith, uh, who was the first real uh, mentor that I had, uh, who really opened my eyes in terms of what uh, fine dining and the kitchen is actually like. So that was a lot of fun, uh, working at The Ox. Then I... Uh, Took a little bit of a break. I had I. Hmm, I'm just trying to think now. Um, so I had a bit of a took a bit of a break from the kitchen. I did a little bit of my own catering. Tried to focus back on the university. That didn't go very well. Uh, it took me a long while. I actually just finished my degree last uh, this past summer. Nice. So it's, uh, it's Congratulations. About time. It's about time. Uh, but in the meantime, yeah, I worked through a couple of other industries or other kitchens. Sorry, and. Um, just got into I've been starting my fourth year at the university now yeah at the University of Guelph nice uh, cool um, I love how we're probably going to pick up all the background sound yeah. of people walking through the hard foot but... yeah walking through all the hardwood floors of Ten Carden where we're recording today but that's okay <laughs> you know it's funny the dishwasher story that you said that you started in like franchises yeah. I started a dishwasher but at a high end place oh really which was like really intense chefs you know and that was like my yeah. first breakthrough in the, yeah. into the industry um yeah, it's that's actually really funny. It reminds me of a story. My first day on shift, uh, one of the chefs had prepped a ton of lima beans for some dish, and had dropped the the bucket of lima beans in the dish pit or near it for some reason, mm-hmm. which I assumed that it just needed to be cleaned, and I threw them out and put oh, the bucket no. through the dishwasher. And he came back and was oh, like, no. "What? Where are the lima beans?" And I was like, "I had no idea." Like, I think you know, I kind of got that wow. crash course. Yeah. First no, my, uh, my first uh, dishwashing job was a little bit different because franchise, a uh, bit of a rundown kind of place, and the guy that was training me, his nickname was The Goat. 
the goat. The goat, because they used to give him all the scraps, and he would just eat everything. <laughs> so this was this was the first. So I was like, what, 15, 16 years old, getting into getting to learn this uh, ragtag team of almost uh, <laughs> abusers, I guess. Um, but yeah, you just yeah, you just got thrust into that, and he trained me pretty well. Because I worked about like four months in the dish bit, and I was like, I hate this. I don't want to wash dishes. So I busted my ass, and then I pushed to get trained onto the line, and away from the dude. <laughs> That's funny. I literally went in the opposite direction. I was like, yeah, I was so, like, yeah. I can't do the dish bit anymore. Put me in the dining room. Like this is what I want to do. Let's get out there. Well, the I know I can the, do that. The guys on the line just seemed like they were having so much fun, right? Sometimes. Okay. Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> or, yeah, Sometimes. totally. It's totally fun. You know, that's how the industry yeah. works. <laughs> um, you started there. You started working on the line. You started, um, you know, learning a little bit of that side of it. And then, like, yeah. was there sort of an aha moment where you were like, yeah, this is something that I want to do? Well, the real aha moment was uh, getting that job at the Ox. Um, yeah. Because at that point, I was already, wor- I was already um, about a year or so into my university degree. And I was really not enjoying that at all. Um, the fast pace, the rush of the kitchen is somewhat addicting. So to go from that to go sit in a lecture hall with 150 other people and just sit for an hour drove me insane. So getting to work at the Ox and seeing what the, the finer details of cooking are, that made me realize, okay, there's an actual there might be an actual career here. So at that point, I started deviating and I started focusing a lot more in the kitchen. So that's why it took me so long to finish uh, the university degree. I got my red seal first. Um, but yeah, that was that was a big thing. There's, there's been one or two, a uh, few influences uh, in terms of my bosses and head chefs that have really kind of shown the light and said, hey, you can be successful here. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I uh, I worked for Parker. I worked with Parker for about, as I like to say, eight minutes mm-hmm. at uh, Artisanal back in the day. I had just started, and I was like, I like met him, and he's like, "Oh, you don't need to know me because I'm leaving. Like, this is my last shift." So like, I kind of yeah. knew him for all of like eight seconds, yeah. and then he like ran off to I wherever Northern Ontario. Oh, Thunder Bay, yeah, yeah. Northern Ontario, and was doing stuff up there. So mm-hmm. that. Yeah, that was a good time. I was like, oh, yeah, Parker. And then I've always heard about him since. I should try and get him on or something to be like, I've just heard about you from so many people. Honestly, I would highly recommend it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because like, when he left the Ox, the whole team was devastated. Yeah. Because he, he was definitely the heart and soul of that kitchen. Yeah. Um, just to drive full tour de force. He had a couple of apprentices. That uh, was my first introduction into the apprentice system as well. Yeah. Um, or the actual trades. You can go through and get certifications for this stuff. Um. But yeah, he yeah, yeah. He left he left a hole in that space for sure. I could see that. It's interesting, the rush that you said you almost enjoy it because oh, I always so dreaded it. Oh like I, it's it's so funny because I was I was I always, after fifteen years of working in restaurants and looking back on it, I was like, when am was I just like the worst candidate to be a like. Or, like, for my own mental health or whatever you want to call it. I was like, am I the worst candidate to be doing this job? Because I, like, hate that feeling. But I was really successful at pulling off working in chaos of it. So it was, like, really funny that I could work in that. But it was, like, it was always a high amount of tension. People always made fun of me because I always showed up to work, like, really early. To, like, acclimatize the space before my shift started. Because it was, like, I needed that. Like, I couldn't just... I could never be that person that walked in, like... 10 minutes before their shift like I need to go I need to look at the book I need to envision the notes I need to see what type of system was happening and I was always it, yeah it's interesting so I always think I probably hated that rush You're, you definitely are a lot more organized uh, than most <laughs> people in the service industry are but that's a good thing like you you need that you need to get into the headspace that idea of okay I'm gonna have an hour or so of my shift to get ready and then you just you're just running yeah. the next three or four hours of, the, of your service, whatever, it's lunch or breakfast, lunch or dinner, whatever it is, you're just running, and then it's, okay, let's start something out, clean up, reset. Yeah. So what I hated the most about it uh, is right before that rush, when you're fully prepared, you're ready to go, and nothing's happening. It's just kind of quiet, and you're just waiting for people to start trickling into the restaurant, and then it's all at once, everyone just shows up, and that's, that, that moment, that silence of go, 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 okay, wait. 
hate that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd much rather just get into the get into the just rush go. and like, get into the flow of it all. Yeah, because when it works, when your kitchen, when your team, uh, both front of house and back of house, when they're working well, it's awesome. It's awesome. It's a song and dance that you do. It's, I, don't know, I love that. Yeah, it is magic. <laughs> Looking back, the nights where it's really fun. It's really fun when it works. And, like, I always thought, like, the best times were usually, like, uh, for, for me at least, was always, like, during those, like, classically busy times because mm-hmm. everybody, like, they staff enough people. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows kind of what they're going in with. Yeah. And, like, everything just flows really well. So, like, working, like, a Friday night was always fun because yeah. I also knew, like, I would just have, like, five tables to worry about mm-hmm. and to, like, control and be like, okay, cool. I have these five tables, this is all I need to worry about, and I can manage that. Yeah. Whereas I was, if I was working, like, lunch, breakfast, or whatever type of shift you'd be working, mm-hmm. you know, you wouldn't have as many people, and then maybe you'd transfer into that chaos mode, yeah. and you're all, yeah. like, running around because you have, like, two servers, one bartender, and a host, and, you know, two people in the kitchen, and, like, yeah. how's this gonna go, you know? Yeah. You know? Yeah, but, see, again, you're reminding me of when I used to work brunch, at, uh, I used to work brunch, uh, Sunday brunch, and everyone in the kitchen hated that shift because it was literally just two of you for the whole restaurant, and it was busy, and they were expecting turnover to be within, what, half an hour, just pump out the tables. They come in, they get the food, they get out, yep. just keep going. So that was, I love those shifts. I really love breakfast. Uh, well, that's, that's, that's another thing, but I just love that you put your head down, you focus, you power through it, and then you look up, and it's six hours later, you're covered in sweat, your station's a mess, but you clean it up, and you go home. Yeah. <laughs> six hours after the, the rush, of course, your shift's typically a lot longer than that. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's, like, how your rush lasts. So. Yeah. You're probably just the perfect candidate to be a chef, then. Because, like, I, I was reading, like, random forums and stuff, and they're like, you know, the guys that can, like, embrace the chaos like that, like, those are the ones you have to keep around. You have to enjoy it. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, you have to enjoy that that chaos, that uh, risk, um, that pressure. Yeah. You really have to embrace it and enjoy it. Otherwise, you get, you're just you're going to be miserable. And you have to... Uh, accept or acknowledge I guess that every day you walk in into the kitchen or into the restaurant you are facing that scenario every day yeah. every day there's that risk that something's gonna go wrong and everything's gonna go to shit and you just have to power through it yeah and make it work yeah make kitchen get, magic right? get comfortable feeling uncomfortable exactly yeah, yeah. so Interesting. I just love the idea that we both started in the dish pit. Um, and I like, I just did it out of necessity. I needed a job and I just kind of grew into it and it was 15 years. You know so, what? Yeah, me too. Exactly. So, I remember I wanted to go on a school trip. My dad was like, it's too expensive. Get a job. Oh my God. <laughs> so I, I like, was, okay. literally I did it. It was a high school Greece trip I was going. Oh my God. We have the exact same story. We just diverged into different directions like four months in. And that's like kind of how that shook out. That's. Yeah, so did the industry choose us, or did the industry, or did you choose it? I, I have no idea at this point, looking back. You know what? Me neither. Yeah. Me neither, because there there are some days that you just feel like you're nailing it. You know, you, you have that perfect service, you have that perfect plate, you know your food went out great, the customers are loving it, and that just feels so like, yeah, I'm meant to be here, this is where I belong. But then you have some other days that, with so many moving parts... Things go wrong really quickly, and you end your grueling long 10, 12 hour day. And you're like, why am I here? <laughs> why am I doing this to myself? Hey. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. You go uh, to the bar, have a couple of drinks. <laughs> yeah, you do whatever you have to yeah, to like reset, that, you know, yeah. as an occupational health consultant. Yeah. Uh, no, in my, answer, right? in my as, current as role, that's totally it, right? As a kinesiologist, <laughs> and like, you know, recommending what you're supposed to do. Yeah, that's exactly it. But, like, that's fine. Uh, you know, it's like... And that's, like, it's, just standard for the industry, right? Like that, that's, that's what I was going to say, is that there's so much that uh, cooks don't really talk about in terms of how do you deal with this pressure or with, with this constant stress. So you build this uh, atmosphere of work hard, play hard. You work until you're like, worn down to the bone. You go to the bar get drunk, then you go home yeah. and have a couple hours of sleep and then just start again. 
And that is very unhealthy. <laughs> that is very unhealthy, but nobody really talks about how else can you deal with this, uh, with that sort of stress. Or another one, smoking. Yeah. The amount, uh, it's actually gone down in my experience, at least from what I've noticed, or at least at the university. Uh, there's a lot uh, fewer smokers. But when I first started, everybody smoked. Everybody everywhere was smoking. I don't know how I didn't get into the habit. Yeah. Um, there was a couple times that I had a couple cigarettes, and I was like, that was that was actually quite nice. <laughs> if not the cigarette, then at least standing outside of the kitchen for five minutes. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's a nice little break. Okay, yeah, great. a cool I can, environment. I can, I can it's quiet. Um, you don't have, like, the hood making noise. Yeah, exactly. But that's, again, very unhealthy for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there's, yeah, there's very little conversation regarding how to healthily and appropriately approach all the stress that we face. Well, I think it's just that I think you can get away with it for a long mm. time, right? Until yes. it catches up to you. So yes, it's like, absolutely. you know, a lot of people break into the industry, like, what say, like, their teens and their 20s. And you can do that. Yeah. You know, you can be a rock star and, like, you know, drive yourself into the ground. Like yeah. yeah, right? And turn around and, like, do it all again. And yeah. they're doing this amazing thing. You're running off that adrenaline, yeah. you know, until, you know, 10, 15 years in. And then you're like, oh. Well, it's, it's funny because just uh, just last week I finished a six-day work week, which to anybody in the kitchen industry, they know that's not that's not. Really You'd be like, that's, that's easy. Yeah, that's easy. So I finished a six-day work week and I got home and I went to my wife and I'm like, man, I'm so tired. I worked eight hours a day, six days of the week. I'm like, I am so beat. How did I used to do back when it was the Ox uh, and I was actually running it? I was doing 60 hours a week, very like, practically no, no day off, just day in, day out. And I looked at my wife and I'm like, how, how did I used to do that? And she's like, well, uh, when you weren't working or drinking, you were sleeping. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, you know, it's... Yeah. That's kind of how it is. Yeah, and as you get older, you might see that you want to have a little bit more activities happening in your life, and you're like, you more than that, and you start realizing you're not a rock star, and you can't continue to push that hard, and you gotta slow down a little bit and take care of you. Yeah, something that I've never been good at. Yeah, but have you had any successes? Try like, has anything felt like anything felt like an inkling of working at this point? Um, so in terms of my physical. Uh, like, shall we call it therapy? Uh, I'm very bad at that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't go for massages. I don't do any physio, which, stuff like that. There's certain aches and pains that I feel that I complain a lot about. My wife's like, just get a freaking massage, and I just never get around to it. Um, so I need to get I need to get better at that. But in terms of my uh, mental health, um, there's been a couple apps. Uh, Headspace. Ah, uh, yeah. Really fantastic app. Yeah. Just just helps you helps it take you out of your own mind and just relax for a little bit. Uh, stress balls. Stress balls. balls. Just 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 a simple like, squeeze just to release a little bit. And then yeah, being able to converse with people, um, not just in the industry but outside of it. Yeah. Because again, what ends up happening when you're just talking with other cooks or other servers. You're just like, yeah, yeah, I get that. And you're sharing these stories, but you're not really getting at the root of why you feel this way. So being able to talk with someone outside of that um, who might have a different perspective yeah. helps a lot too. And just kind of grounds you. And you're like, when you're complaining about the 10th customer, despite the fact that the rest of your service was great, and they just kind of look at you and be like, so that was 10 customers out of 100. Why are you stressing so much? So that, yeah. that helps a lot too. Yeah, yeah, that perspective. Mm-hmm. I didn't notice the perspective until maybe late in my service career that I was like, I feel like I nail it 98% of the time. It's when you mess up that 2% of the time yeah. that it seems that to be, yeah, it sticks and it, sticks it gets to you or like, or that like it gets within the workplace or whatever it may be, right? Because like there's such such a high level of perfection depending on the yes. establishment yes. because you need to because otherwise you wouldn't have customers. Yes. Um, or oh, sorry, guess anyway. <laughs> uh, but the uh, like you wouldn't have that. So the uh, you know the times it does fall apart mm-hmm. or you know um, you almost don't notice. Uh, when you're getting everything right. Yeah. If, if you're doing, if your team's working per, uh, correctly, then you almost don't notice 
when things are going smoothly. Yes. Because, you know, thing, the time just passes. Yeah. But as soon as you hit that one speed bump, and everything just kind of collapses, you're right. like, God damn it! Yeah. And you feel that, and that sticks with you. It's hard to come back from that sometimes. I totally understand the logic of this. I've never envisioned it working within a restaurant space. There's a top chef somewhere in Europe, and when, like, things are going bad on the line, he forces everyone to stop working, clean up everything, and then start again. As, like, a mindfulness exercise, fantastic. I don't know how that functions with the chaos that happens in restaurants. Like, I've never been able to be like, yeah, that's amazing, but, like, all of a sudden, there's nothing coming out of that kitchen. So, here's the thing. I've actually done that. Okay. Um, Because... Uh, in my mind, it hurts the team a lot more when whomever's in charge, whomever's, whomever's directing, if that person is off and yelling, then the whole team gets more stressed. Or if one person is seriously struggling in the weeds and everyone's just trying to pick them back up, you have to stop. That's, that's been my attitude. So I've, I've actually done that where the whole thing's kind of falling apart and you just call a complete stop. Just tell everyone, stop, reset clean up and start again because yes you do take that hit of your service it's slows it obviously you're stopping right so uh, your food doesn't come out as quickly but what it does do is that it helps everybody else in the kitchen just get reorganized and put out a better product and that for me has always been uh, the priority yeah Um, make sure that if if you have to be late then at least do it right. Yeah. Because um, I, I read a quote that um, said that you should be you should never prepare uh, or sorry you should never sacrifice uh, speed for quality or quality for speed. But that's sometimes it doesn't work that way, right? Yeah. So if you have to lose one of those, my perspective is you kind of yeah. I'd rather sacrifice on the speed to make sure that the product you're delivering is is good. Yeah, and, and it's worked because after that, after that speed bump, that stop, then everybody just breathes, relaxes, and you can get reorganized and just continue through your shift or through the service and deliver a product that you're happy delivering. And everybody, again, just kind of works together a little bit. Better. That is a fascinating point that just came to my mind when you said it that way, is that I never thought about or appreciated in the same way that the kitchen works as one unit. Um, much more than the front of house ever does. So, like, I think we're seeing... Uh, oh, I wonder if that's interesting of why, like, the front of house and the heart of house are sometimes so different. Um, but the kitchen definitely, you know, that you can have as a head chef, that you can bring that system to a stop mm-hmm. is fascinating. Because, like, you can't do that in the front of house oh, area. Absolutely. Like, we're all kind <laughs> of... Like, we're working as a team, yes. Yes. But we're also, like, highly having to manage ourselves. Like, we're, like it does feel a little bit like you're kind of working together, but you're also really having to, you know, manage whatever's going on with you. And then also, you know, we have the factor of the unknown, which is the guests. You never know what they're going to bring forward to you. That, that's um, the thing. Like, you can, you can do that stop in the kitchen because you have that separation from the guest. Yeah. I mean, I can just... If or I can just picture like a, a customer sitting in the sitting in the restaurant just sees the kitchen come to a complete stop, I'd, I'd be a little worried. If I was a customer out front and, and saw that and saw how busy we were, I just saw them come to a stop. I'd be like, "What's going on there?" Yeah. And there's a lot more prep. Like there would be that uh, sort of pressure from that point. But to have us in the back of the house, yeah, allows us to to even vent out a little bit more. Like that's another thing that I always thought I'd never really be good at working in the front of the house because sometimes you just want to come back and be like this in person, yeah. just, uh, and you just want to scream and you can't do that up front. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or like vent up front. Yeah. Or even having a guest like put a request into you that you're like, you know, I have to walk back there and voice this. Yeah. You know, in a really busy kitchen environment, and I have to walk back and be like, so they want this, which is totally, I understand we're trying to, like, totally make a really great guest experience sometimes, but sometimes I would be like, you know, like, I'm having to go into the lion's den and voice this, you know? (laughs) And that was always entertaining to me, like, you know. Yeah, but that's also, like, that's a downfall of the kitchen, too, of we're so, sometimes you get so attached to your menu and so, so rigid on what your routine is supposed to be. When, and you forget that this is the service industry. You are here to serve people. 
So if a person has a ridiculous request, but you can do it, you have to have a better attitude about it, yeah. right? You have to. the The server should not be afraid to come back into the kitchen to yeah. let them know, "Hey, this person wants whatever." Yeah. Um, but yeah, you get so caught up in in the in the moment and what you're doing, and you hear that request, and you're like, "God damn it!" Uh, what are we? Uh, okay, fine. It's great. Okay, yeah. cool. I'm gonna go back there, and it's gonna be fine. And like. I'll have to go back to the guest, and it's gonna be fine. Anyway, so that's yeah. Oh my god, we could talk forever and ever oh, and ever on like the intricacies, and also the interest. Like you know, it's I think an opportunity for this podcast is like me getting to talk to chefs in a way, hopefully that connects a little bit towards because like I work mostly service side, mm-hmm. um, and I'm hoping I get some interesting conversations about you know the yeah. relationship between uh, front and heart of the house, and you know the focus and. Uh, sort of mindset you know and that sort of stuff and maybe like we'll have more episodes where we talk a little bit more in depth into that but i've probably already covered this but like um you've already kind of mentioned it but like in your current position your shift length and like how many guests or customers are you so at the university of guelph yeah it is a very different uh establishment so the university has like six or seven different what we call units. Yep. So that includes all the different uh, cafeterias. There's a full service restaurant and their uh, catering department as well. So each one of those runs relatively differently. So right now I am in I'm in one of those cafeterias and I run one of the shops within the cafeteria, uh, or I just I, I do the the dinner service for that. Um, and typically on a regular night we'll serve just. Just about four hundred entrees um, yeah. from from my one uh, two, or one or two shops. Yep. And there's eight shops in the cafeteria, so I don't know the exact numbers. I'm not gonna ask yeah. you, I guess, but it's it's busy. Yeah, it's, it's busy. busy. Yeah. yeah, and you're going. Yeah. And yeah, so the good thing about the university is that they're um, my shifts do tend to be just eight hours long. I do usually uh, get a chance to get a break and get some food. Um, it's one of those things about being such a massive institution that it is a little bit more organized in that yeah. sense. And there is a there usually is enough staff to take care of breaks and make sure that everyone's still working at an op- in optimal conditions. Yeah. Unlike, uh, say, other ind- independent restaurants that I've worked at where there isn't enough staff. Uh, there's the pace never slows down and you just you just go without a break right so yeah yeah, yeah. that is yeah you never go without a break and it's yeah, just in, in terms of like how many people are in the kitchen um so at nighttime there's typically uh two uh cooks in charge which would be kind of my position we have maybe an apprentice and then during the daytime there's another three or four cooks plus the executive sous chef Okay. So there's there's a there's a hierarchy. Yeah. For sure, and there's there's a lot of structure there. Yeah. Um, at the university. Yeah. So it's, Which, it's different. Yeah. It's very different. Probably a good thing. Yes. Right. Yes, yeah. Yeah. As I said, it's it's a it helps you make sure that everyone's kind of covered. Yeah. Um, so there's also the fact that it is unionized. Yeah. Um, uh, well, it has an association. Just the quotes, I guess you can't really see the quotes. That's fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like that, that really helps again to protect the the employee, make sure that they have benefits, they've got, uh, they got their rights. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. very few small restaurants. Yeah, can afford to even do that. Yeah, so. yeah. That is yeah. It, yeah, it's kind of the wild west when it comes to a lot of uh, establishments and. Um, that's for better or for worst. Um, so, yeah, that's so yeah, it's interesting. Like I've been, I've worked in like seven restaurants at this point in time, and I've really noticed the different breakdown of like the different places I've hung out in, mm-hmm. um, the expectations, how it all functions, and also just like the uh, the caliber of the, of the employees. So I have a really skewed view because I started at a place called 199 on Broadway in Orangeville, where I like to say we serve the rich and the slightly famous. <laughs> so I, it isn't there anymore. Um, there, the same owners have opened up a new place there called, uh, Rustic, I believe. 
Anyway, um, so, you know, when you're in there, like, we were, like, serving, like, the Eatons or, you know, um, celebrities like Sass Jordan would be coming in or we would be, you know, like, big deal-ish people, um, you know, would be coming in, you would be serving them. So I kind of had a really skewed view of how the industry worked. But then everyone I worked with was already, like, like, I was, like, 16 yeah. as a bus person yeah. working through that um, and the stress of that. Um, but, like, everyone who worked there was, like, in their 40s. Like, career people who, yeah. like, have been doing this. And I think the tone was a little different there yeah. than other places I moved into after that because it was, like, like a 40-year-old server who knows their worth mm-hmm. isn't going to put up with, like, a chef, you know, telling them something. Yeah. It was a certain level of attitude. And a chef's also not going to put up with, you know, the crap a server will bring forward because a server should know you know, what's possible, what isn't within the menu, and all that kind of stuff, right? So it ran, like, a certain kind of machine that, like, I think I was exposed to off the bat, and then when I went to other places, I was really surprised that it, like, See, wasn't I, like this. Not at all. Yeah, I went to a... I went <laughs> to not consistent, anyways. Yeah. Oh, my God. I went to a... I went to... My next restaurant after that was, like, nowhere near that caliber. Uh, I won't say their name in Guelph, but they're in Guelph. And it was so funny, because, like, the person training me on my first day said, like, oh, yeah, I'll show you how to, like, we set up and everything. And I said, oh, yeah, mise en place. And he was like, what? And I was like, God, God. okay. Like, I was, like, just not, I was like, well, we're not in Kansas anymore, Dorothy. And, uh, yeah, it's fine. Uh, I had had a restaurant that I worked at, um, and actually, I'm thinking about this podcast. I wanted to make mention because I did not appreciate the servers uh, as much as I should have when I was working with them. So, again, restaurant in Guelph, not going to say exactly which one. Um, but there was one day I was maybe, I don't know, three or four years into it, just before I got into the office actually, um, where all the, it was a bit of a slow night, so all the cooks, all the head cooks had left, so we, there was maybe two of us in the kitchen plus a dishwasher and two servers for the whole restaurant, and I think it was about 120 restaurant, uh, 120 seats, the sizable place, and, but it was a quiet night, so I was like, okay, just start shutting down, whatever, and then suddenly people start coming in and we start getting slammed. So we pulled the dishwasher onto the line. We're like, just start making salads, because we could we could not keep up. We were, you know, pans were yeah. everywhere. <laughs> yeah, it was a disaster. Until one of the two servers that was in, uh, just again running around trying to get everything organized, she comes in and she started calling the board, and she fucking got all of us organized, and we ran the rest of the service, and it was perfectly smooth. Amazing. God damn, that was just brilliant. I didn't appreciate it then because, you know, like, I, I didn't know enough. Yeah. But then as I started working in other places and I started seeing other levels of experience and the ability, um, that one started was just yeah. quite, quite incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's a... Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she I, just understood what needed to get done in the back to make the front... Uh, have to happen. Have happen so. Yeah, that is magic when you have somebody that can be that conduit. Like, mm-hmm. oh my God. Yeah. So fascinating. So... Not to change gears too much, because I think we can talk about these stories all day. Oh, yeah. oh it's like our favorite thing. Um, <laughs> the okay, so yeah, it's your podcast. Man. Change gears, right? Man. I can change gears. I can do whatever I want because it's my show, there you go. and I can do whatever I want. Anyway, um, so the but yeah, it's okay. So the biggest problem in the industry, or one of the biggest problems facing restaurateurs, mm-hmm. maybe not employees, is retention. Mm-hmm. Right? It's really hard to get good people to stick around. Mm-hmm. And I have a theory, like there's lots of factors, right? There's yeah. lots of factors that affect uh, why you can keep good people around. Mm-hmm. But I think the job is really hard to do. It's front or heart of the house. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we could figure out ways to make the job a little bit easier, a little bit safer, so you have a little bit more energy at the end of your day, you're probably going to have less people like leaving the industry. You'll have more talented people overall in the industry because... You know, the average tenure of a restaurant employee is 4.5 years. Uh, So how are we supposed to get the really talented chefs, servers, bartenders, Mm -hmm. hosts, you know, whoever it may be, to that point where you can have this level of cohesion and magic happening if we're burning people out that quickly? And if we're not looking at that health side of the the job, Mm -hmm. are we getting, are we, you know, really abandoning a lot of people in that way? Um, so does that sound like something that, you know, is like totally a thing or? Yeah, no, for sure. Like there's, 
you mentioned the word burnout and that is absolutely yeah. what it is i mean um like in my mind uh the fact that i can take a break at the university yeah it still blows my mind yeah uh, again four years in and i'm like oh yeah i can i can sit down for 15 half an hour and actually have a meal yeah um that is unheard of yeah in practically any other small restaurant or even franchises too so for me one of the not an easy solution but one of the most obvious answers is simply just find a way to get every get everybody to take a break mm-hmm. um take that moment to recharge eat something yeah <laughs> and then get back into it because it is yeah you just end up your shifts so exhausted you don't sometimes you get that adrenaline rush and you don't really realize until the end of, day, end of your day yeah um but if yeah, just just take that moment to, to breathe, relax, and get back into it. Like just that mental break, that physical break. Yeah, um, would be would be quite helpful. But obviously, that that's a lot easier said than done, right? Yeah. Do you think it's possible? Like, do you think if like in a fairy tale land, do you think we could pull that off? In a fairy tale land, absolutely, because there would be enough uh, enough workers. Yeah. Um, because it's not even necessarily about. Uh, benefits and stuff like that it's literally just relieving some of the stress of the work shift and well i honestly think that's an issue uh, in a lot of industries here in canada right now like in the canadian economy there are not enough uh workers yeah so why would say i'm 20 something years old or whatever whatever situation is why would i want to go work eight hours a day on my feet minimum wage and not get a break yeah, um, washing dishes when I can get a different job, maybe even on retail where it just has its own different stresses. Absolutely, but the pace is a lot lower. Yeah, um, or you can get a, a an office job somewhere, just like clerical stuff that, that might pay the same, but the level of stress and demand that your job has uh, changes. So, if I'm not committed to the industry. And I'm just looking for something to, to pay my bills and just kind of stay afloat. There is nothing that would keep me yeah. in the kitchen. Yeah. Because it is, it is really freaking stressful. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's that passion line, right? Yeah. If you didn't have the passion to do it. Um, I do worry, though, moving forward as an industry, how long does passion keep an industry up? You know what I mean? Like, it's, you know, mm. it's like, you know, I think we're all going to, the industry's going to, like, they are hitting a wall now, mm-hmm. but I think they're just going to continue to hit a wall harder, mm-hmm. you know, if it's, if you don't have a hard look at that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So as, as we were mentioning earlier, again, maybe getting, being able to provide some sort of uh, relief that isn't booze. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or just venting. Um, yeah. 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 And building programs and like, you know, uh, and I don't know, well, I have my own ideas of what those may be um, within my own business balance life because I come from a kinesiology perspective and I think there's a lot you can do there. But yeah, opening up those programs and having those sorts of connections and discussions and being able to vent outside of like just talking with people within your industry or maybe talking with people in your industry, but in a more productive manner. Yes, absolutely. You know, because I think you just sweep it under the rug in a way, even though you are venting about it, you don't get to the, to the real issues of Mm -hmm. it or like, you know, or even just to like, honestly talking about solutions Mm -hmm. of it, you know, that I think sometimes people, you know, don't want to put forward, you know, like, Oh, we can make the job this much easier if we just did this or like, you know, maybe we change the scheduling a little bit in this way, you know? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Oh my God. I've never (laughs) had to do it. Um, I've never had to do it, but I will, uh, yeah, I definitely, it totally is a nightmare and you're everyone's best friend and worst enemy at the same time while you're doing it. You know, it's fine. But, uh, so you, yeah, go ahead. Simply, simply, honestly, finding the time to, to provide each of your employees with a break. Yeah. That's a, that would be it. That's a huge one. Um, something else too is what you can do outside of work, which I need to improve on. 
this having a proper cool down uh, routine. Yeah. Um, because after your rush or even after you're done cleaning and you're heading home, it is really easy to just get home, collapse on your couch, put your feet up and just be like, nope, that's it. I'm done. Yeah. And that is not good for you either. So being able to set up something for you to do, whether it's some stretches or some light yoga or something that will release that tension in your body. Yeah. um, That is, again, another thing that can really help you. Yeah. And just get you, get your head out of the, out of the kitchen or out of the restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. Your recovery is earned. Right. Like, I think that's, I think that's something to, to keep in mind is like, yeah, your recovery is earned, um, consistently. Um, interesting. Interesting. I have so many, so much to go and think about with that. But since you've been in so many establishments, do you really feel like the workplace has changed than it was maybe 10 years ago? I think so. For sure. Yeah. As, as I mentioned, uh, or as we were talking just a little bit before, with the amount of turnover and the high demand for labor in every industry, um, what ends up happening, especially in the service industry, that it's so easy to get into. Yeah. Um, what ends up happening is you end up with a lower standard for your inexperienced employees yeah. and a much higher standard for those that do have experience. Um, so the people that are coming in, you're just kind of like, well, this is all we can get. So I guess I'll just put up with their lack of experience. And you, person who's been here for however many years, you know how this goes. I need you to push up a little, uh, push a little harder and pick up that slack. Oh, uh, that's yeah. kind of what I've noticed. Because again, it's so hard to find people and keep them and train them. Training them is a huge investment too, right? Yeah. Because you don't want, as an employee, or, sorry, as an employer, you don't want to spend let's say six months of your time making sure that this person is fully set and geared and prepared for them to just walk away. Yeah. But you kind of have to. Yeah. You kind of have to because at the same time, if you're that employee who doesn't know what's going on and you're just getting shit on the entire time you're there and nobody's bothering to properly train you, you're just going to be like, well, what am I doing here? This sucks. Yeah. You're going to turn around and find something else. What are you going to do? Yeah. So for... From what I've noticed, absolutely, there's been you just higher tolerance of inexperience and higher demand for those that are experienced. Yeah. Um, which puts a lot of pressure again on the people that have all the experience, or not all, but that have experience, and um, further risking that uh, that burnout. That about. sounds like a really sober view of the line. We just can't find good people anymore. Mm-hmm. Like I like people always say that, right? We people, can't find good you people. You can't find good people, but the people that you find, you have to train. How yeah. did you how did you become a good person? Or how did you yeah. become a good employee? Yeah. You weren't that when you first started. No. We weren't all magical no. when we got there. Yeah. We're not all magical now either. No. But it took a lot of time and effort and sweat, blood, and tears to get where you are. Um and that required some helping hands along the way. Yeah. Even if those helping hands weren't the nicest um you we all had people that trained us yeah in one aspect or another or you watched or you learned through through watching them through mm-hmm. watching their successes and their failures yep but it would be again a lot easier if every if as an employer you kind of acknowledged okay we have to train these people yeah my help the help that i'm finding isn't good i have to make it good yeah yeah right that that's it well So I think that's the whole thesis for everything that I do when it comes to being a kinesiologist. Because I was also a competitive athlete, right? While I was serving in restaurants to pay for my figure skating (laughs) and then being a varsity coach and then working with athletes in the gym as a strength conditioning intern. Um, And it was so funny because I always found like in the athlete world, the line is literally we have our talent sitting in front of us. How do we create the environment for them to perform their best? Mm-hmm. Right? And also knowing that maybe the people you have aren't going to be the ones who win the national title, mm-hmm. but you're going to work as hard as you can to get the best out of them. Right? And I always found in the in the every business that exists, it's always just like, uh, how do we find someone who can survive the environment I've created? Yeah. yeah right? Absolutely. 
Just, you know. I can't, why can't people tolerate this high pressure toxic place in it? <laughs> <laughs> this, this high pressure place where like everybody's yelling, everybody's moving fast, and yeah, like, like why can't we just find people and survive it? it? Yeah. You know, yeah. No, that it's that sink or swim mentality that for me is always, I've always hated that. Yeah. Um, because if you're able to swim, you have to be able to help. If you see someone yeah. sinking, you have to be able to help them. Yeah. Because this the kitchen and the front house, whatever, the whole restaurant is only as strong as your weakest link. Yeah. Without a doubt. Oh, totally. Because if you have that one person that's always messing up, then you're always going to be taking care of them. Oh, yeah. And you're always going to be set behind. Yep. And you're not going to be able to push. So you have to be able to focus on training them, making sure they have the correct tools. Yeah. To, right. You know, to do their job properly. Yeah. yeah, there it is. Okay, cool. So, you know, you've been doing what you've been doing for the last four years at the university and stuff. Do you have any, like, big plans, any big ideas of where you want to do next or where you want to go within the field or anything like that? So something you uh, had alluded to earlier, um, like, food-wise and food trends, like, something that I don't think it's enough recognition um, is insect protein. Oh. <laughs> and there's a lot of, like, I'm, I'm changing a little bit, Yeah, uh, no. but, like, there's a lot yeah, of go research there. going into it that I think is absolutely fascinating. Cockroach milk? Um, cockroach milk, uh, protein, uh, protein bars, yep. all sorts of stuff that I think is absolutely not just um, fascinating, but necessary Yeah. For, for the environment as a whole. Uh, I think there's a lot of very interesting things you can do, and the challenge... Uh, that that industry is facing is how do I present to you a plate of crickets and make you want to eat it? Yeah. Um, so there's uh, a couple a couple people that I know that are kind of fiddling in there and that, that sounds like a lot of fun for me. That sort of research and development aspect yeah. um, of an industry that I firmly believe, if not our kids and definitely our grandkids, will be eating Oh, Mostly yeah. plants and insect-based protein oh, yeah. diets. Like, yeah. That's out of pure necessity. Yeah. Uh, the days of uh, Friday night steak every single Friday, I think, are numbered. Yes. So. Uh, that's so funny that you brought up, like, insect proteins, because I actually, like, brought insect protein into a wellness talk I did at one of my wellness clients back in the day, because um, I was covering, like, the 2018 wellness trends, like, and I did the top mm-hmm. five. And I brought in cockroach milk mostly because it was an office setting. I just like seeing office people squirm sometimes. Um, I just love watching them react. So it was fun to be like, cockroach milk! Ha! And then like, you know, all that stuff. Um, Well, that's super exciting. And uh, we'll get into our next segment in just a second and have some fun with some crazy restaurant stories. So we're going to take a little break. I'm going to pause it there. And uh, yeah, we'll get back to this in just a moment. Hey listeners, I just want to take a second before we get to the last segment of the podcast to let you know about Balanced Life. Balanced Life is the premier service looking to help improve food service employee health and performance via occupational health solutions. If you go to balancedlifeservices.ca, you can find all sorts of resources available to you for free. As well, if you want to sign up, you can join the restaurant portal where every month you will get articles focused all around feeling better and performing better in the restaurant. There'll be things like the server connection section with how to carry a tray safely, how to stand as a chef, how to set up your workstation correctly, all sorts of amazing stuff right over there. And if you use the promo code HEALTHKITCHEN, you will get 50% off your first month. Sound good? So I'll see you there. As well, if you want to talk about this more, if you want to connect on this more, A, you can be a guest on this show and join me if you just send me an email at Aaron at Balanced Life Services or tweet at me or however you want to find me. 
And then the other thing you can do as well is join our Facebook community called Hell's Kitchen. It's a private group where you can go and you can connect to other service professionals who may be dealing with similar things and hear their stories and find out how they found success with their health and their performance when it came to the restaurant. So lots of good stuff there. Just wanted to take a second to let you know that before we get back to the last bit, which is crazy restaurant stories. Let's get back to it. Okay, so we're back from our break, and uh, the last segment, which I haven't named yet, is just talking about those crazy restaurant stories, because we all have them, and we've already talked about a few of them in our first segment. I feel like we kind of got into it, but, you know, those crazy stories, aka this might be just free therapy. Free therapy, you, well, you said, it's abusive. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) How many of these stories are just, you just kind of look back and you're like, wow, I put up with it? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but they're they're funny. You, you laugh, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you just laugh. It's fine. Like, yeah. Uh, I guess I'll start. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I'll start. I, I want to see what you start with, and then maybe I'll. I'll yeah, I'm I'll literally look, looking. I'm literally looking through <laughs> this list right now to see which one like would really pop out to me. Um, you know, being a service, like there was a time I almost burned off my own eyebrows while okay. uh, while working. <laughs> And yes. I was working in a Greek-style restaurant um, where we had sanganaki, which is the, like, melted cheese. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and they salt it and everything, and it's really good. And what you do is it comes on a really hot plate, and we'd, like, go out to, like, the table, and you'd dump sambuca over it, which is high-proof nice. alcohol, yes. and then you'd light it on fire, because it's hot, so it gets into the air. Um, but the problem was is that my lighter didn't right, light right away, so it actually got, like, really... Yeah, I got pretty high up away, like, into the air, so when I did light it, it was just, like, flames in front of my face. Um, and it was so funny because people thought I, like, lit myself, well, I didn't light myself on fire, but people thought I was going to, um, which was pretty funny. So, yeah, I, you know, that's a, that's a pretty good one. That was, like, my first month of working in that place for the short period of time I was there. I burnt my mustache off. Yes! Lighting a, a, uh, stand-up, uh, pizza oven. The light, the lighter was not the lighter. The um, what's it called? The pilot light was out. So you know, you turn things on. Nobody again. One of the first times I was lighting these things, and I didn't really uh, know. So I just kind of turned it on. I figured, okay, there's a bit of gas in there. That's all I need. And then I stuck the lighter in, and this ball of fire just came at my face. And I kind of pushed back, so it just hit the bottom of my face. So my mustache was like completely singed. And for the rest of the day, I literally felt like I just had sticks out of my mouth. Like just yeah. something cooking at us. Yeah. So it was rough. Yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> when you're like almost lighting yourself on fire. Yeah. Um, I noticed with any of my accents in the restaurant, it was like super self-sacrificial because of the crazy environment we work in. Like I've worked in multiple restaurants with stairs and I would usually like save the food and then fall down the stairs. So, yeah. like, I would just, like, go into, like, Matrix bullet time as I'm, like, falling forward, and I'd, like, be able to, like, put them down on the stairs and then fall oh, down the stairs. And, like, just, like, <laughs> stuff like that. Or, like, I was, like, clearing a table, and they're like, yeah, we'll get that packed up. And I was like, great. And I stepped backwards, and we moved the table so the booth was there, and I didn't know, and I stepped, and I just fell backwards over the booth. Oh, and I was, like, in the air, like, fully just, like, <laughs> I wish there had been security footage. I wish we had it because it was, like, so good, but I saved the food. And nice. I was just like, nice. yeah, I told him, I was like, you go on TripAdvisor, yeah, you, and you, you make a good review about me saving that food. my body for right? food. Right? I did this. <laughs> but yeah, I was like, totally a, like a thing. It's funny you mentioned the, the sort of workplace injuries too, because the other day I was uh, getting together with a buddy of mine who has just, you know, got a part-time job in the kitchen, and he showed up and we shook hands like, hey, how's it going? And as soon as he extends his arm out, I see on his arm that perfect burn line. Uh, that scar that all of us have had and I'm like I know that scar mm-hmm. he's like what do you mean I'm like yeah you know you grab the pan you grab something you touch that oven for just half a second and now you have that perfect line on your forearm like, welcome welcome to the club <laughs> what up how's it going yeah. right um, that scar. I've had that one right times. yeah or self-sacrificial like I burnt uh, my hand uh, using one of those old um fryer filters yep. um, where you empty the deep fryer out into the well and then it has a pump so you pump it back in I didn't plug in the machine properly 
So as soon as I went to plug the hose in, the whole thing just spewed hot oil on my hand and I had a second degree burns on it. And I worked the rest of my shift because I am a fool. And it's that sort of like, oh no, you can push past it. Until I got home and my parents were like, what the hell did you do? Because <laughs> it's all normalized. It's and all it normalized just, yeah, for the restaurant. It was, it was two hours that I spent just intermittently putting my hand in ice and then going back two things and then putting my hand in ice and then getting back and then yeah Why? yeah you know restaurants where like you can have an interaction like that and it's like oh yeah that's totally normal and then you go to any other workplace and be like what <laughs> uh oh my god it's so funny um the yeah to go with the self-sacrificing or like maybe not really but like there was a time when it comes to stairs at a place i was at where it was like the world cup final mm-hmm. and there weren't enough people on so i was kind of just serving half the place and that's like a 400 person restaurant so that's oh like God. the worst yeah. yeah yeah that was one of the few days where i actually like got mad and yelled at the kitchen and i felt totally justified in that because <laughs> they had like a full team and they're like yeah. this food needs to be run and i'm like there's me and 200 people out there so you know but yeah. anyway like the uh it well, was you great step up to at that point you get yeah. to serve, serve tables because i've done that yeah i've done that i've been in a situation where there wasn't enough servers the food was out there and you're like well run this food yeah yeah so right running out to the tables and, oh my god right but yeah that's, that's always awkward a little bit <laughs> a little awkward a little awkward yeah but at least you're getting the food out right but yeah no so we were running around like mad and i was serving a table upstairs and i got up to the top of the stairs with a tray of drinks and i tripped on the last oh, stair but it's like yeah. a wall right when you get there so i just kind of hucked the tray into the wall yeah, and like okay. smashed everything it was a whole thing and I just, like, I, like, it was so busy where you just kind of become catatonic. So I did that, mm-hmm. picked up the tray, didn't clean anything up, just walked over to the table that, like, was supposed to get these drinks. Yeah. And I just walked up really calmly, and I was like, your drinks will be a few minutes because I just threw them into that wall. And just turned around and walked away. <laughs> and, like, I, and, like, just turned around and walked away. Didn't wait for them to say anything. And I was, you know, and then, like, it was like, guess I'll go deal with this problem yeah. now. Um, God, yeah. yeah, that's literally, that's it right there, right? So... Yeah, the stories we have. The stories. Yeah. Any other good ones? Um, off the top of my head, um, let's see. So, I'll mention one that we've been uh, that we talked about a little bit, uh, and that's at the university. We started. Uh, we wanted to do something nice for the students one year, and provide brownies for them on moving day. So we did some math. And it was supposed to be about four brownies uh, in a little box per kid for moving day. Simple math came out to about 25,000 brownies that we had to make. Well, and yeah. Is, yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> so it was about 25,000 brownies that we were supposed to make. And this was the first year we were doing it. And it was a specific recipe that our head chef wanted to do with a specific mold, a specific shape. So we didn't have enough molds because it was like they were coming in for fans, really fancy silicone uh, molds, which were really nice. The whole product came out great. Um, but overall, it ended up being, I want to say a good 10 days in total of maybe eight or nine hours a day for three of us to get all these brownies done. Just day in, day out. You come in, you start making brownies, and that's it. And what <laughs> frustrated me the most is that we were putting these brownies in the fridge, and I told a bunch of people, okay, this is where they're going. This is my stack of brownies. Don't touch it. And everyone was like, yeah, okay, for sure. But I guess there must have been someone who missed the memo. So at the end of it all, we thought we were done. I started counting, and there was a 1,000 brownies per, per bin. And I started counting, and I'm like, I'm sure 2,000 brownies. I'm short two bins. How the hell did this happen? God damn it. So then you got to rush. You got to rush. And we made the extra 2,000 brownies uh, in a jam. And sure enough, someone had just come in and moved the brownies and stacked them somewhere else. So we made 27,000 brownies. Great. You know. <laughs> it's like, oh my God. So uh, much time and effort. That's... Uh, now we have more molds. So oh great! That helps. Good. The university has a big shop too now, so that that helps too. That helps, right? <laughs> it's great when you when you have the supplies but, of the space. Yeah, yeah, but you, you, I guess you kind of have to be the trial and error. Uh, you have to go through that trial and error phase. And like, right. What works and what doesn't. That didn't. Twenty-seven thousand brownies. That's. Yeah. I can't even fathom what that looks like. I haven't eaten brownies since. 
<laughs> the amount, because you have to taste the batter too, right? You have to make sure that your oh, matches yeah. are properly done and consistent. Yeah, I don't really eat brownies anymore. Oh, understandable. <laughs> oh my god, that's so good. That's that way too much. Oh my god, that's so good. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to call it at that. Thank you so much for this conversation today. My pleasure. It's, uh, you know, you had mentioned you wanted to have some uh, guests on this podcast, and I am honored to be one of them definitely don't feel like an expert so i hope that whatever we've shared today helps out whomever and uh, you know has um some notes that they can relate to yeah or something helpful yeah yeah or at least the starting point of something yeah who knows yeah exactly who knows awesome well this was awesome thank you so much thanks Aaron. And that is the first episode of the Health Kitchen podcast completed. And if you enjoyed it, go rate, comment, and subscribe to it wherever you find your podcast. And if you want to connect with me, my email is Aaron at balancelifeservices.ca. My website is balancelifeservices.ca. The Instagram is balanced underscore life underscore services. And my Twitter is B underscore life underscore services. And finally, don't forget to go join that Facebook community, Hell's Kitchen, where you can connect with other listeners to learn how they have success with supporting their health and performance during their workday. Thanks for listening. <laughs>